and welcome to Podcast Me Anything and Ask Me Anything for all things podcasting. I'm your host, Ben Cloy, and I'm joined here in the studio with Matthew Passy, the podcast consultant. Matthew and I wanted to move the conversations beyond the podcasting 101 topics and move into the intermediate to advanced podcasting strategy to reach your goals, to interact with the show, submit your questions to be answered live, book a podcast live with Matthew, or find the notes from today's show, head on over to podcastmeanything.com. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Me Anything. And as always, I am joined with Matthew Passy here out of his home studio in New Jersey. I am joined, I never really talked about it much, but I joined my studio here in Wisconsin. So, and we're going to talk about that just oddity of being in remote places, being in different places. And we've talked about previous episodes about what it means to really record locally and what's the benefit and how that all goes. But today we're going to dive into a couple different topics related to search and the anxiety that can come with a live recording like we're doing here on YouTube. And also what can happen with you're doing a audio recording where you have the ability to make mistakes, start over and keep going. So Matthew, let's kick it off right away. Some news came out on Pod News that wasn't maybe news or like new headline, but it was this article that talked about search within the systems of podcasting. And what we don't really have in podcast app, whether it be Apple, Spotify, is like a, a Google powered type interface where you're bringing all these different things. And it's also not tied to what you click. The search like an Apple isn't tied to even clicking on your web browser. It's just whatever keyword you type in there. So when people dive into search and figuring out search optimization with their podcasts, what do we need to know and how do we need to think about figuring that out? Yeah, so this is a piece that was, I guess it was a research project done by Pod News's James Cridlin and Mark Stedman. And if you don't know Mark, he had uh, once had a podcast hosting company called Podium, which I believe was acquired by, I can't remember, who, maybe Castos, but a uh, pretty savvy guy who understands the space really well, put together a really nice platform and um, you know does a lot of fun things in the space. So they decided to do some experiments to see when you put content into your feed, what is it that is becoming searchable? And what was interesting was that one, it is not universal. So what happens on one platform is not the same that happens on other platforms. And number two, most of the things that you are generating aren't really all that searchable. So when we talk to clients, we always say the three most important fields are the title of your show, the artist field, and then the title of each episode. And that still pretty much holds up based on this research. If you go into Apple and you do a search, those are the three fields in your RSS feed that they are looking for. And of course, every podcast platform is searching your title. So titles, um, show titles obviously should be descriptive. They should be keyword friendly or super unique. So that when people are looking for your show, they search for your show, they find your show. Um, recently I've been doing a search for titles for some new clients and it's amazing to see how many people are surfacing the exact same show name as each other. And so making it difficult for people to find your show when they go into, um, you know, any of these platforms, uh, as far as the description of your show is concerned, Apple doesn't really pull that Amazon doesn't pull that podcast pocket cast doesn't. Um, but that does come up in Google podcasts. It comes up in Spotify and a few other places. So still a good idea to think about the searchability of your description. That's a good place to put in other keywords that maybe don't fit in your title, or maybe that don't go into your artist field, but, uh, not going to do much for you on Apple. 
Uh, no one is really using the person tags, the author tag. That's what we were calling the artist field. Um, you know, that's the one where when it says who's the show by, that's another very searchable field. So it's it's very good to think about what you're going to put in your artist field. So whether is it more important for you to be the searchable entity or for your company to be the searchable entity? Entity. And if if not, right? If let's say the company wants to be the artist field, right? This is podcast me anything, and let's say it's brought to you by the podcast consultant. Well, if I want my name to become searchable, maybe what I would do is change the title of the show to podcast me anything with Ben Kiloy and Matthew Passy, and then the podcast consultant in the artist field, right? So that's a way to kind of sneak in that extra term without getting too keyword stuffy in the title. Um, keywords don't even exist. Don't worry about them. Nobody really uses them except for CastBox and Player FM. And then looking at the episode titles, again, episode titles, super important. Um, you know, most of the platforms, when you search, they're going to look at episode titles descriptions of the episodes are not really searched except for Google podcasts and in good pods. Now, both of those platforms are seeing a, a, a nice increase in the number of people using them, but for the most part, you know, not a huge sum of people are over there. And so your description is not super helpful in the search within podcasting apps, by the way, I should say this is all about podcasting apps. Um, obviously the best the best form of SEO is a website with proper SEO and proper tagging and all that good stuff. Um, so great piece by Mark and James here. Uh, a few key takeaways from them that I would wholeheartedly agree with is if you have a guest, put their name in the episode title, especially if it is someone who is well searched for, or if their company is well searched for, that's a good way to up SEO for the content that you're producing. Um, and truthfully don't rely on these apps for discoverability in general, get yourself out there on websites, get your websites blogged about, talked about, linked back to your websites, right? That's where the crux of SEO happens. So, uh, really important to focus on that more than anything else. One thing that I get hung up on, and I'm interested to see where your mind goes on this is I always struggle to name the episodes. Like I'm naming a book. And book titles generally aren't that long. And you're trying to do it in five or six words or less. Do you feel it's more like a book title or it's its own category and you should feel to be long-winded if it does warrant making sure that title describes accurately what could be searched on that episode? My sense is I, I think there are people who are worried about the aesthetics of an episode title. So if you're more than five or six words, let's say many of the players will cut them off or apps will cut them off. So it's like, why do I bother putting even putting it in there if people can't see it? I'm less worried about that. I would say be as descriptive as possible. Uh, some of my clients tend to use, uh, I'm going to say run on sentences as their titles and doesn't really seem to hurt them, especially since they are able to get so many technical keywords in their titles by doing it this way. Now, I wouldn't say just like throw a keyword salad in your title just for the fun of it, right? Like that's, somebody's going to look at that and be like, oh, I don't know about that. But, you know, if you can eloquently and delicately get those things in there, then yeah, absolutely you should be doing that. Um, but the other thing about titles, and and it's funny you say, um, thinking about it like a book, the, the thing that I've been telling a lot of people lately is when it comes to your episode titles is try to solicit a emotional response. 
right? There's that saying, people will forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And so your episode titles need to make people feel something. Excitement, uh, anticipation, like they're getting value, right? Like it's not just enough to tell them what you're doing, but you really want to make them be like, ooh, right? Like that's the kind of response you want to get from someone, from your title, from your show, from your description, like everything that you do needs to have a little bit more emotion to it. I say that as the title of this on YouTube right now is podcast me anything for February 11th, right? Like we're still kind of messing around and figuring that and we'll fix it. But uh, yeah, try and be a little bit more emotional with what you're doing. And something that you just kind of tweaked on, and I've learned this editing podcast for you. And I do this when I edit podcast and anything, I try to think what question did we really answer? Like what was the thesis of that episode? And try to put that as a call to action thought, because if I can label it in my mind, or at least that's how I design this, if I can label it to a question that they're thinking about, then they're automatically going to assume we probably answered it. And it's more likely to get into their uh, thinking of consciousness of what they're trying to figure out or what they're looking to add in that moment and or maybe what they're searching for. And I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but I feel like it leans towards initiating that response of, wow, that's exactly what I felt. Or... Sometimes if it's an interview, kind of going towards a thesis or a feeling that that guest gifted the audience by sharing their story. Like, what should you take away from it? Um, there was an episode that I recently did on my podcast, Military Veteran Dad, and I titled it, What Part of the Problem is You? Which kind of evokes a, a necessary response of like, oh, that's kind of like, that's a hard in, inner question that if you're not thinking about yourself or deep work on yourself, that's going to hit you pretty hard because you're going to like, I've never really considered what part of the dumpster fire that might be my life is actually my fault and initiating that response to get there. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you even cringed at your own title is very telling that what you did is probably exactly what you should have been doing, right? Like if, if it makes you a little bit afraid to use a title, um, you might be on the right track. Now, listen, I'm not saying go and be offensive for the fun of being offensive, but if you put something up there and you're like, ooh, that's salacious or, or you know, ooh, that's different. Someone or, might troll that. Yeah, someone might troll that. Like, good. That means you're going to get a response, right? And sometimes any news is good news. That's one thing. I mean, maybe we can do a slight tangent that I often I, – I've been doing this, figuring this thing out for five years now. And only recently, in like the last two months, have I got some people that disagreed with things that I said. And it feels good initially because in the beginning you think like you need to avoid it. Like you don't want to be part of those people that get trolled or get people, these long conversations or these comment threads that just explode. And so you avoid the whole fanfare of it. But then when you find your voice, when you have that courage to step on a title like that, you evoke an emotion from someone on the other side of the argument. And when you've done that, I think I take those as signs from the universe. I even recorded an episode about it, about how I offended someone. And I felt good about it because that means that I'm finding my true place where I'm willing to take a stand. And that's something else to think about when you're titling a podcast is, is this leaning me towards more of where I stand on whatever issue that you're podcasting about, which then builds that polarity of attracting someone that's going to be like, I'm going to argue to the death that they're wrong. I take those signs as really positive when people start trying to tell you that you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like two ways to be really successful in social media and in podcasting in general. One is to be the person who 
either has all the facts or is gathering all the information, right? Be the source of the information. I am live tweeting a football game. I am sitting in front of, uh, you know, a hearing in Congress telling you exactly what is happening. Or, you know, I'm a journalist who just wrote this story, right? Like people who have facts and information and trusted resources are people that others want to follow and get behind because that's going to be a good source of information. The other ones who are interesting to follow are usually the ones who make us feel something, right? Who make, who generate controversy, who generate thought, right? Who like curiosity is another word that comes to mind. Yeah. You know, curiosity is a fantastic word for that. Actually, that's a really, that's a great word for doing it, right? Like somebody who can take what is happening and opine on it or who can, you know, suss it down to a, to a unique thought or a different perspective that we're not seeing anywhere else, right? Like the people who are just rehashing the same things over and over and over and over and over again, they're doing all right. But it's usually the folks who come out and say, no, you know, I see something different in that. Or I thought this, which a lot of people aren't thinking about. Um, those are the ones who are going to really grow an audience and yeah, get people to respond. And yeah, that response is not always going to be somebody who says, oh, I agree so much with you. I love what you have to say. Like, no, some people are looking for a fight. Some people are just trolls, right? Some people are just going to be nasty and mean, and they're just going to say mean stuff all the time because they want to be a jerk to you. And if that's the case, okay. That says more about them than it does about you. And you have to detach from that meaning as one step in podcasting that you have to grow through. Right. Move on. But there are also going to be other people who are saying, you know, that's interesting, but have you seen it from this side? Or I don't agree because of my life experience to show me this. And those are opportunities for you to learn, for you to grow, for you to hear a different perspective and create conversation that's not happening in other places. So I, I kind of agree with that. So try and get more emotional and yeah, try and do things that get you out of your comfort zone. I mean, responsibly, right? Again, it's easy to get yourself canceled by saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, being an outright jerk. Uh, but you know, it's also okay to take a few chances if you can do them in a smart, responsible and respectful way. I'm glad we went down that tangent. We haven't really talked a lot about like someone's kind of categorizes podcast etiquette or just podcast posture, but I think that was a good tangent and I'm glad we went down and maybe something we go into a future deep dive on the podcast in the future as well. I think it's a great idea. So pivoting to kind of approach to one that we are live on YouTube and two, we're going to dive and into Twitter now. and Twitter. You got that working. It wasn't originally if we were going <laughs> to cross off Twitter in the beginning. And what we're essentially talking about here today is something we actually talked about off air leading up to this conversation. And I admitted to Matthew that one thing he does really well is in an interview that's just an audio podcast he will abruptly stop talking and he's like, you know what? That's really stunk. Let's go back and redo that again. And he'll re-ask <laughs> the question. more often than I want to admit. He'll re-ask the question and it'll be flawless. And to the person on the other end listening, they never even know what happened. Now, for me, I have this perfection that I go in with it. It's probably partially a Marine that I want to like present myself as this consciousness for 60 minutes that everything was perfect and I had the right thing to say when I had to say it. And I don't give myself permission enough to do what Matthew does brilliantly of saying, you know what, that really, or even giving the guests the opportunity, like you want to re-say that a different way because it sounded like you got stumbled on your words to make sure that they say the best answer as well. And I don't do that really well. And so that's what started this conversation because it's the big difference between a live recording 
and a post-production recording where you can do what you need to the audio to make it look polished and perfect that you don't really know, have to know how the, the sauce is made. But in podcasting, when you're doing it live on YouTube like this, you get to see how the sauce is made. You get to see the mistakes. You get to see what happens. You get to see the bloopers. And that can create a, a big difference that I don't think podcasters really slow down enough. Yeah, you know, I, I had a very unique career experience that has prepared me for this. I used to work at a job that required me to go on air live constantly. But then throughout the rest of the day, I was doing a lot of stuff that was taped and could be edited and fixed. So I, you know, it's very easy for me to kind of switch on and off which way that I have to be. So right now I know we are live. And so if I make a mistake, I've either got to quickly correct and just barrel through it, or frankly, don't even worry about the mistake and just move on. Because if I stop and point it out, then right, I'm, I'm making it easy for everybody else to hear it. That's what everybody's going to hear. They're going to probably say something anyway. But right, like being live, you just kind of know to go with it. I've even got a good knack for knowing like when it's okay to curse because I'm on air, right? We used to do broadcasting and not curse because I'm taping something or just in a, in a completely different setting. Super helpful, by the way, when you become a parent and you're able to like turn that off <laughs> and not and not drop uh, F-bombs in front of your children. Um, but when it comes to recording, you know, I think it is super important not that you have to be perfect, but that you can remember that you don't have to be perfect, right? Like oftentimes when we are helping somebody record for the first time, or we are talking to a guest, or even when I'm personally recording with someone for the first time, usually I have this little spiel that I always say to them, which is, listen, we're being recorded. Somebody else is going to listen to this and go through it. So either one, if I ask a question that you don't like, you can just stop me and say, Matthew, no, that question was terrible. What's wrong with you? Also lightens the mood a little bit, like gives them a chance to laugh and, and breaks the ice a little bit. I also say to them, too, if you find yourself stumbling over an answer, just stop, take a deep breath, and we'll restart it. They can either restart that sentence, that paragraph, or if they want, I'll go back and I'll re-ask the entire question. One, it gives the chance, it gives the person a chance to collect themselves, think, give the answer that they want to give. Two, it relaxes them when we do go, when we do hit record, because most people don't have that experience of, having to do live broadcasting versus tape stuff. And many, 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 many people get nervous in front of an open mic or an on-air camera or something like that. So anything you can do to kind of take the pressure off them, make them feel less nervous. Um, and truthfully, the other thing is it's okay to stop and think. It's okay to pause. Whether you're doing it live like we are now, a pause can add some drama. But more importantly, when you're recording something, you know what a pause can be? Really easily identified and easy for someone to clean up later. So it's okay to pause and think. And if something's being edited, for the editor to know, okay, we're going to tighten that up. Or, hey, we messed it up. We're going to go retake that question. Um, and, and that person has a chance to clean up more cleanly. The worst thing you can do is you start talking, you make a mistake, and then you say, oh, you know, it was 23. Oh, did I say 23? No, what I meant is 24. Sorry. And then so, like... Now I've got to figure out a way to take that 24 out of that jumble of word salad of you noti like notifying me that you made a mistake and try and put it into where that 23 was as opposed to you just going back and saying, oh, hold on, let me restate that. And so it was 24, blah, 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 right? Like that's a lot easier for your editor to work with. So it's okay to not be perfect when you're recording. And again, it's also okay to not be perfect when you're live. Just relax breathe, talk, 
take a breath if you have to. If you have a lot of filler words, listen, we're, we're used to filler words at this point in live production. We've been living two years in a pandemic where everybody was talking to each other essentially over a broadcast, right? So it's okay. The more you do it, the better you get. And also you should watch yourself. You should listen to yourself. You should never just put something out there and say, and then be like, oh, I recorded that's done. I'm never going to listen to it again because you can't, you need to air check yourself. You need to listen and watch yourself and be like, oh, what was I doing there? What happened? Um, and, and that'll help you improve upon your performances. You know, I also saw something when you were talking there with a perception of pod posture that we come into these interviews with one as a guest, but then also as a host, a projection is that you know what the hell you're talking about. Cause there's some f form within your head of probably an imposter that maybe like, you feel like, you know what you're talking about. You do know what you're talking about, but there's this version that you're like, well, you want to make sure you present your best foot forward, your first impression. And I think that's probably the first step where all the other thoughts lead from is we present ourselves as having to be something as this perfect person. Cause you want that projection to the other person you're talking to, especially if maybe they're farther along in life and they maybe have more accolades than you, you definitely don't want to make it seem like you're an amateur, but at the same time, I think there is a mindset shift before you hit record that you're not an amateur. And actually I would argue, and I think you would agree that a pro is able to create a professional production because they can pause, because they can reboot, and it's less worrying about trying to make a perfect recording for something that you're looking at in the moment and more focus on being a professional to the millions of downloads that hopefully you're getting because your podcast and you're listening to podcasts, many things in your podcasts are growing. Yeah, and I mean, truthfully, all of this gets a lot easier with the right preparation in general. Even, even this episode, I'll admit, I, I would say I'm more distracted doing this than I should be because I haven't live streamed in a while, right? We, I haven't, you know, haven't done it on this platform either. So I'm kind of like, I hit record. Is it working yet? Is it streaming over here? I'm checking Twitter. I'm checking this. I'm fixing Twitter while we're talking. And so the fact that I've got to, you know, try and juggle so many balls in the air while we're doing this is taking away from my ability to be smoother and polished. Same thing is going to happen when you're doing just a regular podcast interview. Right. If you have researched your guest well, if you've written out your questions, not that you have to use them, but just, you know, if you've kind of studied the topics that you want to talk about, you can have a better conversation um, because you're not nervous about remembering where you want to go or what you want to do or what you want to say. Uh, right. Like just that preparation is just so important for so many reasons. So one, of course, if you're going to start doing a lot more live streaming, like practice, right, practice, setting it up practice hitting record, practice hitting stream, practice looking at the chats, practice making sure, like just do that a couple of times so that when you're ready to go live, you're not sitting here worrying like me, fidgeting with the settings, being like, is this okay? Did I do this right? Why isn't anybody watching? Right? Like I, my mind is in two different places right now. And I bet you if we do this again next week, it'll be a lot smoother. Um, but you get to enjoy me messing it up. That's kind of the, the joy of the show is, is us doing it live and, and giving you the real organic experience. Um, but then the other thing too, is just know what you're going to talk about, right? People who are prepared are able to pivot and relax no matter what. And if you're interviewing someone else, it should be a lot easier because really you only have to really be on for 10% of the conversation, right? You really want to ask a question and then get out of the way of the person you're talking to. And for the guest, it should be pretty easy because we're asking you about either stuff, you know, or who you are. So yeah, like people are going to get nervous and that's going to make them 
make them sound not as confident. But what I always tell guests is we brought you on for a reason. We didn't bring you on because we think you're performative and because we think you're going to put a good show. We brought you on because you're the expert at this. You wrote the book. You're fantastic. You're hilarious. So we just want you. So if you could just sit back, be comfortable and be you, we'll get a great show out of this. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it brings it all back to that mindset of just preparing for before you go into it. Because I can tell you, being a, even though I theoretically should be talking 10%, emotionally, physically, I'm more exhausted from trying to make sure I have everything streamlined in that perfect 60-minute window than I, I find almost no effort in being a guest and almost complete exhaustion being the host because of that perfection feeling. I mean, that is why we kind of switched this format where you're the host of the show, but I get to sit back and answer questions because, right, you ask me a question, I just answer it. I don't have to think about it. I've lived, breathed, and eaten, eaten, slept this stuff um, and made these mistakes and answered these questions a hundred times. Whereas if I was hosting this, I got to think about, uh, was that interesting? Do I want to ask this question? Am, Am I, I interesting? Mm, right, right. Is there something on my nose? Right. Like I, it's the show is it is being a host even though, like you said, you're doing less can be more exhausting because you're the ringleader. You are, you are driving the train at the same time. You're trying to entertain the passengers in the back. I like so, that analogy. There is definitely something you should remember there in, in consulting. There's probably we even were- a, uh, a conference track speech there for like a podcast, uh, podcast movement or podcast podfest. Well, in that case, I'm going to make sure you create a social quote of this uh, after the episode, <laughs> so I remember it. But yeah, it it is, you know, and that's why, one, we're starting to see more clients who want us to help them record so that they can focus on just being the host um, as opposed to having to worry about, did I hit record, right? Like, all this is for not if you forget to hit record. So we're starting to offer services where we'll hit record for people or, you know, people are encouraged to make their setup as easy as possible so that they can just hit record. Like we love Riverside. I like Squadcast, but I tell my clients, like if you run into five minutes, not even five minutes, if you run into two minutes of problems using one of these platforms, just switch over to Zoom. The reason why is I would much rather have 58 minutes of a great conversation at decent quality than... 25 minutes of a terrible conversation at high quality, right? If you, if you are having technical problems, it means that one, you're wasting time. You're probably frustrating your guest. You are frustrating yourself. And so when you finally get it to work, you're not going to have the conversation you want to have. You're going to feel rushed. You're going to feel flustered. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to lose your concentration. You're going to lose track of what you wanted to do. And the conversation is just not going to come out as well as it should have. Whereas if you're just like, Hey, you know what? This isn't working. Let's just go over to zoom. Two minutes later, you're like, ah, we're on zoom. Cool. You good. You good. Great. Let's get back. Like, let's do this. And yeah, so the quality suffers a scotch or maybe a little bit more, but good value content with a bare minimum of quality is better than horrible content at the highest quality. Hardly agree. Well, we're going to switch over to our question and it's kind of an easy question, but it's a rabbit hole question. And that question is, I will try not to go down it. (laughs) (laughs) How do you judge show art? Because sometimes you can create art that looks like art and it looks like, wow, that's really good. 
But from the purpose of selling your podcast, because as we started this show with and finding your podcast and searching keywords, if you get a list of podcasts, essentially people are judging everything you've created by the book and the cover on it. And you only have probably two seconds, if that, that's being gracious probably, to make an impression with your show art. So when you consult people on creating good show art, what do you think about? Honestly, I like my show art to be simple. I want the name of the show big, bold, and easy to read because two things. One, I don't believe a lot of people go window shopping in the podcast store, right? I don't see a lot of people who are just hanging out and they're like, oh, that's some clever artwork. I'm going to click on this show. I, I There are some, I, you know, obviously you say that and someone's going to be like, that's all I do, right? Like, well, we talk the only ones that have a clever name, like where there is like, I, there's one podcast that when she launched it, I was like, that's really good. It was unscrew me. And it was essentially unscrewing your pot, your parenting skills. And just when you have those clever names, those will get me to, to slow down just a little bit more when I'm, when I am like window surfing or even just in Facebook when someone launches a podcast. hundred percent. But, but right. Like that, I don't think is nearly as important as what mostly happens is you tell somebody the name of your show. They go to the store, they type in the title. And what you want to have happen is they type in the title, they see your artwork and they go, that was the show I was looking for. So for me, the big focus is name of the show, big and bold. Remember a lot of people do this on mobile devices. So even though you're making this huge 3000 by 3000 pixel image, remember it shrinks down to like this when someone's looking on on their phone. So make sure that at that size, they can see it. Try not to muck it up with too much other auxiliary nonsense on there. Yes. If you want to put your name on there, your company name, your brand name, sure. Get it in there, get it in there tastefully. If you want to put your headshot on there, I think headshots are a great thing. If you, if you have a good one, it makes you more personable, more approachable, right? It's nice for people to see there's a real human that is connected to what they're doing. Um, but for me, focus on the name of the show and everything else is, can be fun. You know, you could be clever, but if you don't have those kinds of graphic skills, go to Canva, open up a square, pick the font, pick your name, open it up, get some colors that match your branding and print it. You can always improve upon it later. You can always tweak it and change it later. But what you, what the, the biggest problem you will run into with artwork is either someone is trying to, someone comes across your show and there's no name on the artwork and they go, what the hell is this? Or there's so much going on in your artwork. It's hard to know that this is the show that they are looking for. So truthfully with artwork, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And there is, I know as you were talking about the the graphic of the picture of yourself in the portrait. I've struggled with this because initially I was like, I don't want to be the face. I mean, if you're thinking about the listener, the cover, my initial thought was always like, the cover should speak to the listener, not like it shouldn't make it about me because it's not about me. It's about the people listening and getting value from it. So I was initially avoiding it. And then I was challenged recently, a few months ago, about like, you're a good looking guy. Why wouldn't you put that on there? Because every time they play an episode, they're getting to see you. and that just in and itself increases their ability to like like you, remember you, and trust you without you ever even have to say a word because they just have to see your mugshot even more and hopefully it doesn't look like a mugshot. But if it is something that they see there that it could intrinsically bring them back because they know the person behind the microphone more than the voice. I think it's more 50-50 and you're going with your gut, but what I'm learning in my own journey is if it is a personal brand, if it's not something that's a 500 person company or not something that's tied to a single personality, you probably should have your picture on there and 
I've been talking myself into it more and more because I haven't moved the needle on it yet, but I'm talking myself more and more into it as to just display of like, yes, I am a trustworthy guy. I am not some weird guy. And I think that no like and trust facts, no like and trust is a huge thing, huge thing that keeps people coming back to your podcast. And why not put your face there, right? To bring people back for. Well, let me, let me just add two quick things before we wrap it up here. One, you could be trustworthy and you can be a weird guy. I think you fit both of those boxes. <laughs> uh, but two, more importantly, yeah, you are not just podcasting. You are building a relationship with your audience. And so if that relationship is between you personally and your audience, it's a little bit easier if they can see who you are right away from the front cover. And listen, you might not be comfortable with putting your face on there. You might be a more private person. You don't have to do that. Or this might be a brand podcast, in which case the the person might not be as important. But, you know, if this is about you and you building your reputation, your brand and things like that, I'd say go ahead and throw your headshot on there. But also leave enough room for the title. Like, you know, keep keep your ego out of it. I would agree with that. And I, would, I don't know any data related to this, but I would imagine if you were brand new listening to a podcast and you were just in a natural, normal listening to it, getting deciding whether you want to continue listening to it past like few episodes, it probably wouldn't be to like 10 or 15 before I natively went to socials to follow someone. Or if they said something that like really resonated, maybe that I want to make sure I catch everything they said because what they say is that important. And so if your face isn't there, I think if you're having it on the beginning, could then increase the likelihood faster that they want to go because their entire time is they're seeing like, Oh, this guy is, looks good. He looks normal and he's saying normal things. I want to connect faster. So it could maybe accelerate that process of them reaching out beyond just the podcasting platform. Well, that wraps up another episode of podcast me anything. We broke the seal on being live on YouTube and Twitter, and hopefully this will be something we continue. And hopefully it becomes something that we get better at because in podcasting, the only way you fail is if you quit. So we're not going to hopefully quit at this live thing. So we're going to keep going. And as long as you keep hitting publish, you keep growing. And that is the most important part in podcasting. Thank you, Matthew, for joining us today. Thank you. And that's another great social quote for yourself. Uh, you only, you only failed when you quit like that a lot. It's it, it's so true in my life. <laughs> it's built out <laughs> Thanks, of the, the hard places. <laughs>